0: Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Yeah? Have a good new year coming up, huh? Yes? Well, today we're going to do BGMC, and they're going to be learning about Bangladesh today. And that's kind of a confusing spot. Um, I couldn't remember where it was located. It's in an Asian continent, and it borders India. And one thing I want to tell you about Bangladesh is that there's 240 million people, and they are the largest unreached people group in the world. Um, they uh, are a hard-to-reach people group because they are predominantly Muslim and i uh, follow something called operation world and if you look that up it's a website that you can go to every day of the year and there's a different country that you pray for and they give you statistics and all these different kinds of information about the country and that's where i found that um that's the largest unreached people group in the world and so bgmc you know they do a lot with the boys and kids the boys and girls missionary funds they contribute to the needs of the missionaries and everything that they're doing so i just wanted to let you know about that we need to pray for them because they need to know jesus they're a very hard hard hard-reached people group so if the kids could come up come on Carly, grab a bucket. Weston, here. Okay, I'm going to pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and um, this opportunity that we have to bless missionaries and um, bless churches and people all over the world to spread the gospel. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. Go ahead and come forward and put your money in the bucket.
1: Before we get into announcements, I want to—I've uh, asked Nisa if we could pray. She's going to stand in for her grandson. I don't know if you know, but Caden um, is—and you said it was okay for me to share, right? Caden—he's um, 18 years old, and his kidneys are failing. And so, uh, Jimmy—Jimmy's been up there in the hospital, Jimmy Keith. And so, I've asked her to come up real quick. If we could have a few ladies that wouldn't mind to pray with us this morning and lay hands on her as she stands in for her grandson. It's a very serious situation, so... um. Well, again, I would say Merry Christmas, but that's over. I can't say Happy New Year because that's tomorrow. My wife said, yes, I can. So, Happy New Year tomorrow. That worked? Okay. Just a few announcements real quick. Um, If you are a member, there is a membership list in the back. We need you to pick one of these up. Um, And uh, Steve will hand them out to you. Or Ron, you can pick them back on the back foyer. It's, uh, it's for the, we have two openings for the deacons, you know, every uh, deacons will serve and then they have to, uh, they serve for uh, two terms, I believe, or one term, I'd have to look at our bylaws, I'm still getting used to these bylaws here, so, and then they have to come off one year, and then we're also, you know, we have to re-elect our secretary treasurer every year, so if you get a chance to pick one of these up, also inside of that is a slip for your agenda, if you, something you would like on the annual business meeting, which is coming up January 28th at the end of the month and it'll be back in the fellowship hall because I like, I I, want to have donuts, I'm going to have some decaf coffee so that we enjoy ourselves, right? Everybody's, nobody likes coffee in here except for me. All right, so you can tell it's been the Christmas period because everybody's like coming off of whatever you ate, right? Um, Just a couple of things, men's Bible study is this Saturday. Um, our nomination, of course, I already mentioned that, our new business for vote. Also, they, uh, Facebook had uh, kicked us off. Uh, I, I, was, I was put in Facebook jail for, for preaching the gospel. So I'm never going to be ashamed of preaching the gospel. So we have started a Rumble page. If you want to write this down, it's Long Grove AG. All one word, lowercase. Long Grove AG. You can go to that. If you hit follow, if we get five followers, we can start going live on Rumble. So you might have to start a rumble page. Anybody, if you don't, if you don't know how to do that, we can walk you through it. I, I will get with my wife and she'll help you. Uh, just another thing. Um, so, Jackie, uh, uh, Jackie Tur- Jacqueline, Jackie Turpin is getting married. So she has an invitation for our church. Yeah, give her a round of applause. And she's got the invitation in here. I will set it back on the back foyer. We are invited to that. There is a, and that will be January 27th. And oh, oh, I, how about I just open it up? Well, that You said you wanted me to open it so I could read all the information on it. So this is her uh, fiancé. And uh, his name is Jacob Brooks. And so if you you can't see the picture, then it'll be back on the back foyer. A couple of things. Okay, so it's Saturday, the uh, 27th. uh, It'll be, uh, what time is it supposed to be? What time? 4 o'clock. And uh, it's going to be the ponds at Marble Farms. And so, again, here it is. And then also she has a wedding shower coming up at the Orr Building at 2 p.m. And that day, I forgot to write down the date. What's the date? The seven. So you can pick on Pastor. I'm not always great at announcements. I'm not as good as Randy is. So I'm doing the best I can. Amen? All right, a couple other things in here. There is no service tonight due to the holidays. If you want to come here late, you'll be on your own. What is going on with everybody? I can't even joke very well. Okay. Also, here's a wonderful thing. Hey, this is the praise report. We have a family getting baptized next Sunday. So... Jordan, Jacob, and Shelby are going to be baptized, so we're going to be filling up the tank this week. I need a strong man after the service to help me get the big thing up off the, the baptismal, but we're going to have get it cleaned and uh, be filling that up, so I'm excited about that. Um, a couple other things in here. Um, don't forget about our Cards of Care ministry. Please make sure we have updated information and papers on, are in the foyer. Um, there is... Uh, again a Valentine's are we doing the Valentine's banquet or not? no Valentine's banquet this year um, missionary, for, uh, his name's Terrence Harris will be here March 3rd and he will be here during the AM service we're also having a missionary banquet that day a missions banquet it'll be that afternoon we haven't set the time yet for that so how many of you guys are interested in a missions banquet? man okay I'm going to start preaching on missions anybody know what the Great Commission is? yeah You should be excited about a missions banquet. I promise you, I will not get dressed up for that. I mean, like, in the, anyways, okay, I'll be quiet about it. Uh, March 23rd, we have an Easter egg hunt. And then March 24th, our, well, my kids like that. (laughs) March 24th, our superintendent will be here that a.m. service to preach the message. And I think it's my commissioning service. So, if there's anything I've missed, please forgive me. What else do we Okay. Oh, heart to heart. Um, What did it say on there? Because I didn't. Okay. Well, if we can have our ushers come at this time to take up our morning tithes and offerings. I'm just going right on with it. Hallelujah. Thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Lord, as we give of our tithes and offerings, we're giving into the kingdom. Lord, I'm reminded of Abraham that gave a tenth of his plunder, Lord, to to the king of Salem, which I believe, Lord, again, was you incarnate. Lord, he gave a tenth of his plunder, and he gave it because he was doing it with a cheerful heart. So we do it with a cheerful heart. We don't give because we have to. We give because we want to. And we give it to you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen
2: amen all right y'all get to your feet i don't know what's going on in here this morning but i felt it too they're gonna have to wake up or something let's get a little more lively in here father we just want to sing praises to your name god father i pray that the holy spirit would just come in here and give us a fresh touch this morning lord a fresh touch of your anointing in the name of jesus amen to
3: your name praises to your This is
2: You this morning. We acknowledge Your presence in this house, God. You are great, Lord. Father. We thank You in advance for the miracles that are coming out of this service this morning, God. We thank You in advance for the healing that You've already done, Lord. just lead and guide us in the path that you would want us to take this morning.
3: Sing this with me. I saw the Lord seated on His throne He was clothed in glory The train of his road, feel the temple and the angel.
1: I've asked uh, Julie to sing the song, Shout to the Lord. There's something about giving God praise when you're in the midst of a problem. And as she does that, God had said, bring your stuff to the altar. If you're dealing with something this morning, listen, no man can answer your prayer. Did you hear that? No man can answer your prayer. The only man that can is the one that died on the cross. So bring your prayers, bring, bring your problems to him lay them at the altar. So I'm going to open up the altars real quick, just between you and the Father. Bring them to Him. Right now, just make your way to the altar between you and the Father. Bring them to Him. He's the one that can answer your problems.
3: May Jesus bless see Shit! Yeah. Yeah.
1: We may not say it with our lips But inside we're shouting, Lord Some of the shouts are Lord, save me Lord, help me God, you want to hear it from us There's nothing that's inside of us That you don't already know Father, those that brought their Problems to you this morning Their struggles, their issues Lord, we're reminded in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 Cast all your anxiety, all your worries All your struggles on me all your anxiety on him for he cares or is concerned about you father you are concerned about us and our problems and we thank you that you're the god that can handle any situation no problem is too heavy for you and nothing is impossible with you we thank you for all of this in the mighty name of jesus and everybody said amen I'd like to dismiss the kids to go back at this time You have your Bibles, would you please open up with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to be read verses 10 through 18, and then we're going we're to pray. I've just titled the message, We're at War. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as you've laid this on my heart this morning, Lord, I had something of my own agenda this morning, but you have something else that you want to speak this morning. I pray, Father, that our hearts will be open to what your word says. God, that we won't just hear it this morning and forget about it, but Lord, let it be planted deep and rooted in our hearts. I pray, Father, that we would take this word and we would put it into practice. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fall in this place. In the name of Jesus, we invite you, Holy Spirit. God, we pray again that you would work on our behalf. God, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me what you want to say in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God has just laid this on my heart this morning and really feel like we need to talk about it. Do you know we're at war? We don't always get that or understand it. When you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you don't realize you're at war. The minute you say yes to Jesus, there's a spiritual battle that happens. I've often said one of my favorite farsight. Anybody know what farsight is? It's a It's one of my favorite comics and one of it shows this deer and I don't remember its name but this one deer has a birthmark with a bullseye on it and it says hunting season's just and he says what a heck of a birthmark you have. When you get saved you get a birthmark on you. It's the name of Jesus and the enemy knows that you serve him. So we're at war. What we established here this morning is And I want to share, part of war is God speaking to us before we get into the message this morning. I want to share one time when I was in the service. Now, you may think, Pastor, you're taking a rabbit trail, but there's a reason for this. When I was in the service, I was going through a really bad time. You figure this is the first time I was away from my mama. Come on. It was exactly 2,000 miles from my base to the end of my parents' driveway. My first winter we had eight blizzards there in Grand Forks into a shop of mostly unbelievers and when you're in the service and you're a believer and you don't do what they do you're you're ostracized I didn't drink I didn't party in fact they thought I was a hermit until one day I walked in with all these girls from the youth group They were godly girls But it was a very big spiritual battle. I remember going to church one morning and I remember reading a scripture that morning about that God was my shield. We had tongues and interpretation that morning. And I remember it was Bill Ritchie that gave the interpretation. And the interpretation that he gave was the exact interpretation from the scripture that God gave me that morning. When we're going through battles, God will speak to you and he will strengthen you and he will strengthen your inner being. And you may not be going through a battle today, but you will in your life. And you need to be prepared for that. But God has given us all the weapons that we need for spiritual warfare. I want to say that again. God has given us every spiritual weapon that we need for spiritual warfare. The battles that we fight are not of this world. In fact, before we get into Ephesians, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Look with me in verses 3 through 5. The Apostle Paul says here, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. Now, the world fights with weapons, right? Bombs and missiles and guns and and knives. And you can think of all the different things that they fight with their fists. He says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, I want you to underline that in your Bible. On the contrary, that means uh, there's something different about a believer. We have something that's better. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The word divine there means divinity, God power. The word power there is the same word used in Acts chapter 1 when he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's the word deutymus or dynamite. We get the word dynamite from it. Deutamus power. Can you all say that, Deutamus? Yeah. Again, I've shared this before in other congregations I've been apart with. But if I took a little bit of a stick of dynamite, lit it, and threw it in the middle of the sanctuary, what would happen? We would have an empty sanctuary this morning, right? We know that because dynamite has what? Power. Nitroglycerin. You, nitroglycer, just a little bit of it, can explode. So he uses the best word that he can in the Greek to describe the power that you and I have in God. You and I have power that you don't even realize. We don't even realize. It's not of this world. It's supernatural power. You may not always feel that power. How many of you guys have felt the the move of the Holy Spirit before? Yeah. But there's other times you don't. That's why we live by faith, not by sight, not by our feelings. God is working on your behalf, even when you don't realize it. There is power in the weapons that God has given you. Now he goes on to mention that that power has the ability to demolish, or the word destroy, strongholds. The word stronghold, when you look it up in the original Greek, talks about a fortress. The enemy likes to set fortresses up in our thoughts. Strongholds. Anybody have a stronghold before? Anybody have an addiction? Raise your hand if you've ever had an addiction. How many of you still have an addiction? Come on. Nobody has addictions. Well, praise God, I want to know what you're doing. Mine is Diet Pop. You've heard me talk about it. I it. I know it's, my wife goes, why do you drink that stuff? It smells like cleaner. Well, the good thing is it's cleaning my insides, right? That's the great scrubby bubble. See, I like that. Thanks, Jared. Listen, it's talking about a fortification. The enemy sets up fortifications within our brains, in our minds. That's where the battle is. Remember when Jesus was baptized? He was led into the desert. And the enemy said, if you're the son of God. He had just heard God's voice say, you are my beloved son. Now Satan's saying, if, conditional, are you really God's son? If you are, prove it. And Jesus battled those thoughts with the word of God. It is what? Written. I think I've shared it with you before, but I'm going to share it again. Billy Graham struggled with doubt. How many of you guys knew that? He had struggled with doubt. A good friend of his, Charles Templeton, went to Princeton. He was actually a contemporary of Billy Graham's, led thousands to the Lord, ended up turning away from the Lord and following evolution and wrote a book called Farewell to Faith or Farewell to Christianity. And and Billy Graham was starting to struggle with all the questions that Charles Templeton brought up. And he went to Pennsylvania, preached a sermon, and nobody got saved if there was there were only a couple I don't remember the amount but it wasn't a very good turnout and he was discouraged he's struggling with this doubt and he gets a call to go out to California to a youth camp and he goes out to this youth camp and he's struggling but the one thing that kept coming to his mind thus saith the Lord thus saith the Lord it is written why do I hold up the Bible because it is written The Bible is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing bone and marrow, and judging the attitudes and behaviors of the heart. There is power in these words. So he took the Bible, and he laid it on a stump as he walked. And he said, Lord, I have a lot of questions about this word. But from this day forward, I'm going to stand on the word of God. And he said he felt the flood of the Holy Spirit come through him. The next night he preached, 300 young kids got saved. And he realized there's power in the Lord and in his word. So he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension. Uh, The word pretension there means imaginations. When we're going through difficulties, our brain has a tendency to imagine the worst, doesn't it? The what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? And before you know it, we're not sleeping. I've gone tonight to bed without sleep before because of anxious thoughts and he says he says we we demolish arguments arguments against god's word arguments of what god's going to do and against imaginations that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and listen to this and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ so what do we do when we get those thoughts and they may come to you a hundred times but you keep taking that thought captive and you take it to the Word of God and you say no but God's Word says this no God's Word says this no God's Word says what this and, and let, let me tell you just saying it one or two times is not gonna stop it there have been times I've had to pray because that fear hits you the unknown It'll grip you and it keeps hitting your mind. It'll keep attacking your brain. But the more you stand on the word of God and you keep rebuking it and you think about the word and not what he's sending you, what the enemy's sending you, the stronger you get. Jesus did it with the word. It is written. And we need to do it with the word. Let's go back to Ephesians here. Now this is a, called A Church Epistle. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, and and he's writing ways to live their life, how they're supposed to live their life for Christ. And I find it fitting that in here, he puts how we're to fight spiritually. He says this, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. We win our battles when we put our strength in God. Oftentimes, we put our strength in other people and in ourselves. How we can figure it out. How we can get out of it. Anybody ever do the figure out plan? This is what I'm going to do. This is, uh, listen, we write it out. We think about it. And that's all we think about. It. And before you know it, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. So then you get on your little phone. And you start playing around and get your mind off. And you keep thinking about it. I've been there. I know that. But he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And David, when I shared this, I think, last week when David and Ziklag was attacked and his family was taken and all of his soldiers' families were taken and the town was burning his, and, and, and all their goods and he, and the men began to weep and they thought about stoning David. It says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. He says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The word scheme there means plans, laid out plans. Satan has plans. God has plans for us, but so does Satan. His plans are in John 10, 10. The the enemy comes to, or the thief comes to steal, kill. Everybody know this, right? And what? Destroy. Let's say that again. The enemy comes to kill. Come on, say kill. Kill. Steal. Steal. And destroy. Don't you hate it when pastors make you do that? Do you know why we do that? When you ever study a test, the best way to do it is to say it out loud. Do you know the wor- to meditate on the word literally means to murmur it out loud or speak it out loud? I think there's something to it. Scientists have just figured out what God already knew, right? If you speak it out loud, you're going to remember it. So he comes to steal from us what God has given us. He comes to uh, uh, kill us. He's out to kill us and to destroy us to destroy our reputation, to destroy our family, to destroy our finances, whatever it is, he's out to do it. He has a plan. But God's got a bigger plan. And so that plan for you and I is to be strong in God's power. You and I need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And we need to do that by putting on the full armor of God. Did you You have armor on right now. You and I have spiritual, if you're born again this morning and you're saved, you have spiritual armor on. You may not see it with your eyes. You may not feel it, but it's there. I might have shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again. Sometimes you'll hear the same story for me, but it's the good thing. Remember, memorization is good. Reading the Pentecostal evangelist i just gotten out of the service. I remember, I I, I miss it. They still do it digitally, but they don't do it in print anymore, but I was reading in the Pentecostal evangel one time, and there was a couple, they were a missionary couple over in Africa. And these bandits or raiders came, and they pulled them over and and pulled guns out, and they had them get on their knees, and they they were getting ready to kill them. And over in the States, several people from different states that were supporting these missionaries that knew them, all of a sudden began to pray, and there were like 12 of them. They began praying in the Spirit. That's why we need to be sensitive to what God is doing. Sometimes God will wake you up at 3.30 in the morning and ask you to pray. And so they begin to pray. And he said, one by one, these guys begin to drop their weapons and run. A few years later, this couple met one of the young men. He had gotten saved. One of the raiders that was there. And they asked him, why did you run that day? And he said, because we saw 12 people with swords and shields and armor and helmets on them. And it scared us. That's a true story. If you don't believe God works that way, in Bolivia, the missionary couple, I went to Bolivia on a paradigm trip, and you hear about this couple. Now, this has nothing to do with spiritual warfare, but it's the way it works. They were on a van. They were in the van going up the mountain. And unbeknownst to them, it had rained the, n- the night before and washed out the road. They're 9,000 feet up. And they were going around a bend and, and, and a curb. And all of a sudden, the lady in the back begins to pray in tongues, pray in the spirit. She just, they couldn't figure out, why is she praying all of a sudden in tongues? I mean, the, cha- uh, the missionary was going, why is she doing this? All of a sudden, they looked ahead and the road was out. And it was about 14 feet. It was, And they were going to go off 9,000 feet. They all closed their eyes and began to pray and all of a sudden they felt a thump. They looked up and they were on the other side of that road. True story. Guys, we have an untouched power that we could touch into at any moment. And it comes from God. You and I are dressed in armor and we're dressed for battle. Romans chapter 12 verse 13 says this. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Romans 13, 12. You and I have the armor of light, but we have to put it on. We used to do this with kids. Sometimes I need to do that with adults sometimes, right? We used to do this with the kids when when my wife and I taught children's ministry. We would have them put on their armor, put their helmet on, put their breastplate on, put their belt on, put their shoes on, put their sword. You guys are looking at me like I'm weird. Maybe in the morning you ought to do that to remind yourself you have the armor of God on. Verse 12, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Guys, it's not against other people. Do you know Satan will even use Christians to attack you? He used Peter. One moment Peter's saying, Oh, thank you, you're the Son of the living God. The next moment is be far from you, Lord, that you should die on the cross. And what did Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me, what? Satan. Now, I don't suggest you do that to another believer. Get thee behind me, Satan. And don't do that with your spouse either when they disagree with you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms there is an order there's a rank within the demonic spirit world if you read daniel chapter 10 it talks about how daniel hadn't heard his prayer for 21 days because there was a spiritual battle going on with the prince of persia so when you pray and there the prayer hasn't been answered keep praying There's a spiritual battle. You might be one day away from your prayer being answered. Don't stop praying. It's a spiritual battle. There's there's, uh, rulers and authorities and dark spiritual forces at work. That's why we need to put on the armor. Notice he says put it on. It literally means to clothe yourself. The word put on in the original Greek means to clothe yourself. All of us got clothed this morning, thank goodness, right? We all clothed ourselves, we put clothes on. But a lot of believers don't clothe themselves with the armor of God, and we're going to look at those pieces of armor. So he says this, verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, can I tell you, it may not be coming today, but it will come in your life. You will be attacked until we go home to be with Jesus. There's going to be spiritual battles that we're going to face. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. Notice he says the word stand how many times? Three times. Anytime something's repeated twice, there's an emphasis on it. The word stand means to resist there in the original language. It means to resist somebody. Now, when I played football, you might have think, Pastor, you played football? Yeah, I was a tailback. I would resist. I was a defensive back. I would resist by pushing against the other players. Now, we did play a football team one time. I resisted, but I ended up on the ground, and we looked up, and they scored a touchdown. But God asks us to resist, and he says three times, Satan, or uh, Jesus tells, or James tells us, I'm sorry, I'm, I'll get the name right. James 4, 7 says this. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The first part of standing firm or resisting is to submit yourself to God in your relationship. Is your relationship with God right? Are you right with God this morning? but well, pastor, I'm saying you can be saved and still not be right. Did you get that? There could be unforgiveness in your heart. There could be sin in your life. And God says to do what? Confess your sins. 1 John 1, 9, for he is faithful and just to cleanse you or purify you from all your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you or purify you from all unrighteousness. So submit yourselves then to God resist the devil and look at this it says he will flee from you the idea of flee there is kind of like a dog with its tail between its legs have you ever thought about that that when you stand firm in the Lord the enemy's not scared of you he's scared of who is inside of you greater is he that is inside of you than he that is what in the world the problem is is we don't resist these thoughts come towards us and we let them there we focus on them. We rehearse them. We start to believe them. Yet God says to do what? Resist. Take every thought captive. That means the minute that thought comes in, you say no, and you replace it with God's word. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now understand, Paul, when he was, most likely when he was chained, he was chained next to where the Roman soldiers would go. He was actually sometimes chained to a Roman soldier. So he would see the armor that they had on. Now the belt that they wore actually held up their armor. Just like a belt holds up your britches, right? I'm the only one that uses britches in my house. My daughters laugh at me when I say it. It's just the way I grew up, right? Am I the only one? It is awfully quiet. It's kind of like a still day today. What did you guys eat for Christmas? Is Is the Thanksgiving turkey still lingering or something? I'm going to get it out of you this morning. I'm sorry, I'm picking on you a little bit. But the belt is what held up the armor. Your armor was no good unless you had the belt on. Now the belt of truth represents the truth of God's word. Standing on his word. Standing for honesty and truth and integrity. When I was in the Air Force, we had three core values. Service before self, excellence in all we do, and integrity. Integrity first. I probably got them in the wrong order, but it's been a while. But one of them was integrity. What are you doing when nobody's looking? It'll judge the character of your relationship with God. Stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckle around your waist. Then look at this. The truth holds in your breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness. So they would have a breast. Now it's interesting, the Romans would have a breastplate. Some believe that when Paul was referring to this, that some Romans had a breastplate not just in the front, but also in the back. There's a lot of debate on it. Some believe it was just in the front, which means your back would be exposed, which that can go into a whole other sermon about praying for each other and encouraging each other. But some scholars believe that they held it in the front and it covered their front and their back. What does the breastplate protect? Your heart. Your relationship with God. The belt of truth, which is God's word, is there to to bring about a right living with God because that's what righteousness means. Right standing with God. We stand on the word to help us in our walk with Jesus, right? But how many of us read this? How many of us meditate on it? How How many of us memorize it? And how many of us believe it? They just did a, I think it was Lifeway that just did a study, and I might be wrong, on. it was either Barner or Lifeway, one of them just did a study and they did uh, biblical truth, uh, 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 how we believe. Do we have a biblical way of life? Do we believe, have a biblical way of thinking in America? And here's the sad story. Only 34% of pastors have a biblical worldview in America. I think it was like 16% of believers in America only have a biblical worldview. What does that say about the importance of this in our life? If God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. If, If we can't believe God's word, which is the belt of truth, then how are we going to believe the rest of the word that talks about putting on the full armor of God? So he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckle around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Notice it's in place. When does that happen? When you get saved, it's called imputed righteousness. The minute you and I get saved, Jesus puts his righteousness on us so that the Father doesn't see us anymore, he sees his son. Ha! Huh? Yeah, hallelujah. Guys, that means I don't have to perform. It's all based on what he did. Then he says this, verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Two things there I believe that this means. Number one, the peace of God. When you get saved, what happens? God's peace floods you. When you have problems or issues and fear is hitting you or attacks of the enemy are coming against you, we can tap into the peace of God. Hold your spot here and go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Look with me in verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, look what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. The word anxious means fret. Anybody ever worry before? I heard laughs, so evidently we all have a worry problem this morning. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, that is, when you you and I think about that, we think about, what? What? anxious about anything. Are you kidding me, God? Well, wait a minute. His word says that we can do this, right? It goes back to taking those thoughts captive. Worry means don't dwell on it. And that's a battle, isn't it? So he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything, by prayer, Hallelujah, by prayer, everything, by prayer, everything, by prayer. Uh, Pastor, I got this problem. Prayer. Did you get that? Hallelujah, Burger King, you just got your free meal today. No, Burger King's not that good. We'll go with something better. And petition, no, I better say Burger King's good. Okay, I'm supposed to say good things about restaurants. Prayer and petition, that means bringing them up before God. God, I need your help. With thanksgiving, how many of you guys thank God for what God has given you? How many of you guys thank God for answer prayer that hasn't happened yet? Present your requests to God. Now look what happens when you do that. And the peace of God. The peace of God. God's peace. Not man's peace, not your peace. God's peace which transcends all understanding. That means it's beyond our comprehension. It's a peace that just floods you. There have been times in my life that I went, God, I need your help. And all of a sudden, I just felt this peace come over me. Anybody ever feel that before? That's what you call supernatural peace. And it does something. It guards your heart and your thoughts, your mind in Christ Jesus. Again, the battle most of the time is in your thoughts. You get a lump on your arm. What's the first thing you think of? Oh, right. You get—I'm serious. You get a fat cell. You go to the doctor. I hope it's not. Oh, it's just fat cell. You need to watch your diet. The enemy attacks the thoughts. He attacks your mind. Let's go back to Ephesians. So, you—you you, you have to know the truth you have to have the truth buckle around it means you, you've, you've put the truth on you believe the truth you stand with the truth you put the breastplate of righteousness on now look your feet are feet, uh, fitted with the readiness notice it says readiness that comes from the gospel peace not only does God give you peace but he gives you the readiness to share the peace see Roman soldiers would do this they had sandals And they would put nails through their shoes for gripping. They would put nails in their shoes for gripping. Meaning the peace that God gives you and the ability to share the gospel helps you to put your feet in the ground. Gives you sturdiness. I love sharing the gospel. I did it over Christmas. What a perfect time to do it, guys. Share the gospel over Christmas. Share the good news. Are you ready to share the good news or the, the gospel of peace? Notice he says this. He says the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, readying you for battle, readying you for your relationship with God. Are you ready for battle? And then verse 16, look at this. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Now, a Roman soldier's shield was long, it would cover the whole body. And it was wrapped tightly in leather and they would soak it in water. They would soak this shield in water. How many of you guys ever watched movies before and it shows the Romans locking their shields together? And, 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 and that's how they defeated a lot of their enemies. They would lock their shields together almost like an armored tank and they would drive and, 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 and murder or kill the people in front of them. So the reason for this shield being dipped in water and covering the body is for this reason. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. They would take oil on the tips or sometimes poison and light it on fire and launch uh, uh, arrows at their enemy. The enemy, Satan, launches arrows towards your thoughts, towards you. And when you're saturated in the Word of God and you pick up that shield of faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. When you build up your faith according to the Word, when the enemy attacks, you put up that shield of faith, which is God's Word. And when that arrow comes and it hits that shield, it's put out because the water puts out the fire. How many of you are picking up your shield of faith? Then he says this, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. What, what does a helmet do? It protects your, protects your head, right? Protects your thoughts. When I ride a bike, I used to not ride, when I ride my bicycle, I used to not ride my bike without my helmet. Of course, I rode my bike growing up without riding a helmet. I didn't have knee pads. I didn't have all this protective. In fact, we had metal slides. If you ever went down a metal slide in the summertime? Oh, man. We'd swing so much, we'd get tar marks on our backside. But it protects your head. But now I wear a helmet on my head. It's there to protect me in case somebody runs me over. That's why I don't ride my bike on Prairie Valley anymore. It's there to protect you. The helmet of salvation is your salvation in Christ. It's to protect your thoughts. You need to tell yourself, I'm redeemed. I'm washed in the blood. If God is for me, who can be against me? If he is my protector, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. When I I was in Bible college, one of the books I read was uh, Know Why You Believe. And one one of the things that atheists and agnostics cannot take away from a believer is their testimony. Because everybody's testimony is unique. You can't refute it. You can't take it away. Your testimony is powerful. The day that you got saved is powerful. That's the day Jesus entered into your heart. That's the day God's power and spirit entered into you. Think about that. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not just a thing. He is the third person of the Trinity. That means if you're born again this morning, God is inside of you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you you protect your head. Again, the enemy attacks your what? Your thoughts. There have been times I have failed this test and not put it into practice. But there have been times when I started to put it into practice, all of a sudden those thoughts begin to dissipate and disappear now it took a battle it took time it didn't go away right away but once it did and the enemy knew he couldn't hit me with it anymore he left me for a season so then he says take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god now it's interesting because a roman soldier had not a long sword but a short sword And the reason why it was short is when they put up that shield, they could stab at the same time that they protected themselves with the word. Their faith, the word. You guys see a pattern here? Your faith and the word. And they would stab. And that's what made them so lethal. The the Roman soldier at that time was like our our military is today. They were dominant. You and I, when the enemy comes in, we put up that shield when he throws darts at us and we take that sword, which is the word of God, just like Jesus said, it is written. I want to go to that scripture real quick. We got 11 minutes. You know what that means? It's just more time for me to preach. But go with me to Matthew chapter four real quick. I I think we need to do that this morning. I want to be obedient to the Lord there. You've heard me preach on this, but I, I want to share this again. Matthew chapter 4. Now, I like, I like Luke chapter 4 because it says in Luke, after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. Now, it's interesting because the full trinity was there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him like what? A dove. That means the Holy Spirit descended on him. In Luke chapter 4, when it talks about this, it says... Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went into the desert or the wilderness. I want to emphasize that because, guys, you cannot battle the enemy unless you're full of God, unless you're full of the Holy Spirit, unless you're in His presence, asking Him for strength and power. Now, I've already said that, but I'm reiterating it. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, chapter 4, of Matthew. Then Jesus, led by the Spirit, into the desert who led Jesus into the desert the spirit did but you know sometimes God will permit or allow things into our life to test us it's to test us to see what needs to be strengthened God's purposes aren't to destroy us it's to strengthen us Satan comes to kill steal and destroy but God has come to give us life Jesus said and more abundantly so he says Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Some some theologians say that he was a point of starvation. If if I went three days, I'd be at a point of starvation. Jesus went 40 days. The tempter came to him and said, if. Notice, circle the word if. Again, Jesus, now I believe Jesus knew who his father was because he says, don't I have to be about my father's business? But I think Satan was getting testing him or tempting him to doubt who he was everybody's got an opinion about that but I do believe that's what he was doing if you're the son of God prove it right is what he was doing if you're the son of God tell these stones to become bread Jesus could have he could have just went boom bread right I mean he's God he's the he's manna that came down from manna he's what we call the bread of life he calls himself he could have he could have made anything in the bread I, I've told you the story of the miracle of the chili, haven't I? How many of you guys know that story? Raise your hand. All right, when we were in Upton, we had a harvest festival. And God blessed us. Our children's ministry took off. It went from no kids to like half the elementary school. And, and we went down to, to, the, uh, to the community center to have this harvest festival. And somebody brought a pot of chili. And it was only three-quarters full. We never even prayed over the chili. And people kept coming up and getting Chili. And they kept getting chili. Okay, so if you have three quarters of a pot of chili, what would happen if you had 400 people come by and get chili? By the end of the night, we still had a half, half a pot of chili. We call it the miracle of the chili. Yeah, praise the Lord. I, I got one clap out of that. That's awesome. <laughs> I say that because it's not giving us an opportunity to clap. It's giving God the glory for what he did. You know the story of the bags that were multiplied this year. So Jesus could have multiplied and made bread, but he didn't. He knew it was a test. So Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now let me tell you something about Satan. He's cunning. He's sneaky. What did he do with Eve in the garden? Did God say you must not touch or eat of the fruit of the tree. He knows that when you do, you'll be like what? God. And what was Eve? Eve added to the word of God. She says, well, we must not eat of it or what? Touch it. God never said that. So be careful. Don't change God's word. Don't add to God's word. So Jesus speaks the word of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand up on the highest point of the temple. If, again, there's a question. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He, notice, Satan knows scripture. This is Psalm 91 in your Bible. He knows it better than you do. He knows it better than I do. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is also written. I love that. Jesus goes, oh yeah, well, I know something too, Satan. Everything that Jesus spoke was from Deuteronomy. It is written. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. That's why it's imperative we know the word of God. Finally, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Luke says, and the the devil left him for an opportune time. I like that Luke puts that in there. Satan will leave you for a while, but he'll look for an opportune time to come and attack you. Usually it's when you're tired, or you're sick, or there's a lot of stress, right? How many of us had stressful weekends this week? So my mom and dad came down to visit. I wished I would have told them which road not to go down, but they went down the wrong road. They had an apple pie in the back of their truck. And when we got to the house and they were all excited about eating this apple pie, we opened it to the back and it had flipped upside down. It <laughs> was in the tailgate. Satan will find opportune times to cause problems in your life. We could have we used that and got all frustrated and mad and let it ruin our night, but we didn't. We moved on. And we got to do the same in our relationship with God. When the enemy attacks, we fight, and we keep fighting, but we move on. So look what he says here. Go back to Ephesians. We're almost done here. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. A lot of scholars will leave this out, but I believe that's our last weapon. In fact, I think that's your first weapon you should go to, is prayer. To me, that's like the javelin. Do you ever watch the Olympics? They throw those javelins, you know? I, I just called this my javelin because you're launching it up to God. You're launching your problem to the Lord. And God can handle your problem better than you and I can. You know, a lot of times when I try to take things into my own hands, I mess things up really bad. And then I'm one of those guys that says sorry all the time. So I make apologies for it. How many of us are the same way? We we try to fix the problem and and we get worse. Anybody ever been stuck in mud? I've shared this analogy before, but it's good. Do you ever get stuck in mud? And the the harder you fight, the suction just gets you lower. I've lost some shoes. Now I've dug for those shoes before because I wasn't going to lose my shoes. But it sucks you down even tighter. It's like quicksand. And that's the same when we try to get ourselves out of our problem on our own with our own ways. God wants us to do it His way. So He says, pray in the Spirit. Sometimes we don't know what we ought to pray for. That's why it's imperative that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we can pray in the Spirit with words that are uh, that we don't even understand the tongues of men and of angels. And the Holy Spirit prays through us His will. They've done some studies on that, people that pray in tongues. That literally they can can pray in tongues, they can pray in tongues and still think about other things. When you pray normally, you focus on that one thing, but when you pray in the Spirit, you can focus on many things. There's something about it. When you pray in the Spirit, it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes with for you with moans and groans that words cannot express. I talked about that a couple weeks ago, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, prays on our behalf. Jesus prays on our behalf. So when we don't know what we have to pray, start praying in the Spirit. Just get on your knees and begin to pray to the Lord. Just begin to pray, 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 pray. You never know what God's going to do. And then he says this, so pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. How many of you are alert this morning? It took us a while. You are now, but man, I tell you what, it was like, phew. You can always tell the holidays, right? I can tell the holidays because my kids yesterday go, Dad, you're getting a gut back. Guess it's time to start riding bike again. Look at this, with this am with I be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Can I tell you something? God honors you when you pray for other people. My life when I was dealing with the, we've all gone through deserts, but there was a particular time in my life when I was going through a desert, and I think I've shared this with you before, but I think it's a good illustration that I was going through a really big spiritual battle when I was in my 20s. And I remember going to a Bible study I attended. Remember, I told you about Insight. And I remember earlier that day, I told God when I was driving my dump truck, um, I worked for Tulsa County and pastored on the side. I was a bivocational pastor, so I was driving a dump truck. We were hauling some asphalt to a job site. And I remember praying to the Lord, God, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got stuck, but I got myself here. Show me what I'm supposed to do. And I was sharing all these words with them. That night I went to Insight and the guy Mark Shore that was supposed to preach changed his message. That's why it's important. That's why I do what I do. When God drops in my heart, I'd rather be obedient to him because somebody needs to hear it. And he shares this message and he says, I don't know who needs to hear this tonight. And he said verbatim what I said to God that day in the dump truck. Verbatim, in the order that I said it to God. I don't know if that's you tonight, but maybe you're feeling this way, this way, and this way, and this way, and you said this to God. And I'd said it that exact same way that day. And he shared the story about Lazarus. That when Lazarus came out of the tomb, he was wrapped up, and it took somebody else to unwrap him. Guys, God will begin to unwrap you when you start unwrapping other people. Because that gets the focus off of ourself and onto on other people. Because what happens a lot of times when we're going through a difficulty, we get our focus is all on who? Us, And then God wants to use us, but we're so focused on us that we ignore and miss what he wants to do in us. That's why he says pray for all the saints. Keep on praying for the saints. If you're going through something, start praying for somebody else that's going through that. And I don't know how God works, and I'm not guaranteeing that something amazing is going to happen, but what I can say is God will start to work on your behalf. Do you see that? That's the way that he works. I've had it happen so many times in my life. And and I don't always understand it. There are times I've gotten selfish and then it becomes me, myself, and I. And all I talk about is my problem and what's going on instead of focusing on that other person. And once I start focusing on him and praying for others, God comes and, and guess what God did? He unwrapped me. He unwrapped me. So, I don't know if that's you this morning. I don't know who needed to hear this this morning. But listen, can I tell you something? God's got every answer we need right here. You know, I can tell you my opinions. But they don't measure up to what's in here. If you read what's in here, God's got the answer. Now, I just add to God's word. But God's word is God's word. We're just God's spokesman. I'm just the hose, and he's the water. Actually, Father's the one that holds the hose. I'm I'm the hose, and Jesus, I don't know how you, I guess that's a good illustration. You guys understand what I'm saying? I can pray for you and pray for you, but it's God is the one that heals. And we've had that before, where we've broken up into prayer groups. Okay, Lord. We're going to end today in in prayer groups. And I want to do this this morning. Do you guys mind giving about 10 minutes of your time today? Would you guys mind doing that? Raise your hand if you're okay with doing that. Come on, food can wait. I didn't eat breakfast this morning. I had my cup of coffee. I want to do this this morning because, listen, some of the greatest prayers that have happened in the churches that I've pastored have been people praying for each other. Because God is no respecter of persons. I'm no different than you are. Yes, I'm your pastor, but my prayers are no different than yours. We're, Elijah was a man just like you and I, yet he is, his prayers were powerful and effective because he was a righteous man. So I, I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. Would you would you do something as we close this morning? Would, would you just all stand up? Would you break in, into groups of three or four real quick and pray for each other this morning? Is that okay? Would that bother you guys? That's my job as a pastor show you. So why don't you break up into groups of 3 or 4 and let's pray for each other this morning. If you got prayer requests, and then we'll just and then we'll do that as close. That's your closing this morning. I love you guys. God bless you.